I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Guts. On today's episode, we're talking with painter Rick Fox. Rick is the winner of the 2022 Piscataqua Region Artist Advancement Grant from the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation. So we're excited to find out what he's up to now. Let's bounce right into this episode of Creative Guts with Rick Fox. Welcome to Creative Guts, Rick. Thank you. We're really excited to talk with you. Thank you. I'm excited too. So for our listeners that know absolutely nothing about you, will you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your art? Sure. My name is Rick Fox. I have a studio at the Button Factory in Portsmouth, and I've been living in the area for about 13 years. What what I'm working on now is um, I'm doing both plein air painting in oils, and then also I've been doing a series of uh, heads in my studio, which I know I feel they are, because they're going on simultaneously, they're directly related, but not everyone can see that one. Are they related thematically or is it more about the way that you're applying the paint and the technique of it? Yeah, I guess it's, it's me that's painting and it's going on simultaneously. So the, the issues that I'm working out into the landscape Mm -hmm. and because it's still on a flat surface, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're very similar to issues. It's just when you make a head narrative comes in and it becomes know something else i think i read somewhere that your your series of heads are you mostly are they self-portraits yeah so they're all all the heads that i've been working with yeah are from direct response to the mirror okay but i don't think of them i mean i of course they're self-portraits but i think of them as much of a self-portrait as the landscape is because i feel like anything i'm painting is is basically giving me feedback for like the state state I'm in at that time. Are you working in oils? Yeah, oils. Yeah. In both subject matters, there's a tremendous amount of texture in the way that you're applying the paint. I can, mm-hmm. are you using palette knives? Are you, how are you applying the paint? Yeah, primarily I'm using a palette knife, but I'm using both knife and brushes, mostly palette knife though. I started using the palette knife a lot about seven, seven or eight years ago. And the reason for it was <clears throat> I felt that using a brush and the medium I was using, I was losing structure in the painting. Mm. So I tried to bring back some structure with the palette knife. And then also it allowed me to be really specific with the colors. Mm -hmm. The colors are not getting corrupted by a dirty brush, you know. Yeah, there's not a lot of blending. It's almost geometric in a sense where you're just, you're using very bold shapes with it, which I think is is so great because I find that to be such a challenge. Like in my work, I have a hard time not getting to that direction of over blending and over mixing and everything. Is it a relaxing process when you're doing it? Is it sort of just become a natural thing? You'd mentioned you've been doing it for six, seven years now, or are there still challenges with the way that you apply it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. First of all, like relaxing and painting don't go together in in, in any way. (laughs) Absolutely Um, not relaxing. But yeah, so I would, that's a great question because one of the other reasons I began using the palette knife was to kind of upend my facility with the brush. And so to kind of take away any kind of virtuosity through practice that I've 
that I've gained. So just that awkwardness causes me to kind of invent and discover while I'm making the image, which is which is always one of the things I love about painting. Yeah. And often with the palette knife I can feel, you know, I'll have different moves I'm working with out of habit. And sometimes it's like a safety net to kind of know what the end result is. But whenever that safety net is there, more often than not, it creates kind of like a a dead spot or a contrived area in the painting. Yeah. You have a very specific color palette. What draws you to specific colors? Why do you make your color choices? That varies. I mean, like like everything, there, there are some color choices that I use, like for instance, cadmium orange and cadmium orange deep that I just love mixing that into everything. Yeah. And, and so there are some habits like that, that I would like to think they're not just kind of thoughtless habits, but still kind of like, <laughs> like a considered decision. I don't know, but But it's been like that for a a number of years that I'm using cadmium orange uh, and cadmium orange deep. But otherwise, you know, I I have often I'll I'll bring in new colors, but then those will come and go. But then I have about 14 colors that I use all the time. And within those colors, you know, I'm always finding out how to mix those colors differently to get, I don't know, what feels right to me. Yeah. You know, it's very intuitive. And sometimes I'll I'll be seeing like one summer, not one summer, well, I guess one fall I had, they were like green paintings and there wasn't any green out in the landscape <laughs> or in my face, I hope. And so, the, but I don't know what was going on during that fall that the green was showing up, but I know um, uh, I have representation in Boston at Gallery Naga and I brought, I brought the paint, some paintings in to show them and they were like, what is up with the green? And I was like, good question. I have no idea. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe great. it's just, maybe it'll run its course. Maybe not. You know? <laughs> How would you describe your artistic style for folks that are just listening to this for the first time? Hello. And they haven't seen your work yet. You know, how would you describe the style of your work? I mean, to me, it's super realism, you know, but it's as far as a more accessible title, it would be kind of a simplified expressionistic realism. And so when did you start creating and why? How long have you been a creative? Oh gosh. Were you um, painting as a kid? Yeah, I was I was always doing something on paper as mm-hmm. a kid. I remember my mom telling me that I, I used to when I was a toddler when she was ironing in the kitchen, I would be at a little table next to her next to the, the heater. We had a vent, hot air blowing out and mm-hmm. I'd be sitting next to that working away. But I it's just always something that I did. Did you go to school for it? I did. I went to UMass Amherst mm-hmm. and I wanted to go to an, a university rather than an art school, just in case I changed my mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then I, after UMass, I took a couple of years off and traveled and worked different places around the U.S. and in Europe. And, and then I went back to school at Mass College of Art. Oh, okay. Yep. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that was a great place. I spent some time in Italy doing workshops and going to school. Went to school as an undergrad in Italy for mm. a semester. That must have been so inspiring. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah. It was really great. <laughs> it was Florence, so had the Uffizi right down the street. Oh and, wow. Yeah. yeah. When you were growing up, did you feel like your sort of artistic self was nurtured? Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, both my mom and dad painted. They wouldn't consider themselves artists, but they definitely painted in their their free time. You yeah. Know? And I lived south of Boston in the winter, and then my family had, my, my dad grew up in Wellfleet on Cape Cod, so since I was an infant, we would spend summers working down there because um, my family had an ice cream shop and a gift shop down there. So Cool. So then that was, you know, I got to meet all kinds of artists down there and just the whole history of 
the Outer Cape, Truro, uh, Provincetown, and Wellfleet had just so many famous artists down there that yeah. That later, you know, in college and grad school, uh, when I was learning about them, like I realized that I'd heard stories or been to places they lived. Or yeah, that's great. So, was there a moment when you sort of were like, "I'm going to be an artist when I grow up"? Nope, <laughs> there was not that moment. Yeah, it was always just something I did, but I uh, that wasn't a conscious decision until really late, you know. And I think that decision, I always avoided making that conscious decision because I thought it would take away. A personal connection to what I was doing and that it was my own, Yeah, you know, that decision came when I started teaching at university. Okay. And, um, is teaching your quote unquote day job? It was up until last spring. Mm-hmm. So I had taught 17 years full time before that I was doing adjunct stuff, but um, what were you teaching? I was teaching painting and drawing. So then I resigned from teaching last spring and now it's a lot, it's a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us into our next question. You were awarded the 2022 Artistic Advancement Grant from the New Hampshire Charitable Foundation. Shout out to those folks. How has this changed your artist world? It was definitely a, a huge gift and a huge surprise. I was teaching and painting in Italy this summer. And then when I got back about, I don't know, three days after I was back in in July, I got the call that I, <laughs> yep. I received and it was so, it was just like a huge relief and so excited for the year ahead. And because mm-hmm. I, I had, before I went to Italy, I resigned from my university teaching job, which I had had for uh, 12 years full time. And I was kind of like jumping off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Into the deep end. <laughs> Into the deep end. And so it's, it's, it's been great. I mean, it, it was such a gift and and Erin called me and I remember I, I was so surprised and I just she said any question I was like yeah can, can we have the same phone call tomorrow can you call again <laughs> after I wake up from this dream yeah. I'm just not sure again. it's we'll real do this again. <laughs> that's amazing and so are you specifically working on a new collection or just expanding what you're already you've already been working on or, or you know what are you sort of doing with the the new allotted time that you have to be able to explore. Yeah. So first of all, this was my seventh time applying to the, to the grants. Oh my gosh. And I, we had a, another winner yeah. last year on here and she mentioned that it's common that you yeah. apply many times before yeah. receiving it. Not always, I think, but I think that's yeah. not, you know, unheard of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty, I don't know, it takes a while to do the application and, mm-hmm. and to clarify your proposal. But for the six years before that I applied, it was great, even though I didn't get the grant, because just taking that time to clarify what I wanted to do, the direction of my work, for every time I, I wrote that, I ended up doing what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yep. Without the grants, you yep. know, so it's very valuable in so many ways. So my proposal, um, I just kind of asked for time to spend less time making money to pay the bills mm-hmm. um, yeah. and to just really dive into my work, especially, I mean, I didn't know when I was writing the grant that I was going to be leaving teaching. Right. And I really wanted to see what my work, what I would feel like and what my, my work would look like without kind of have the influence of teaching behind it. You know? Yeah. So So you applied seven times before receiving it. For each of those times, especially in the beginning, were you like, oh, maybe I shouldn't even try again? Like, Or were you just like, I'm just going to keep doing it forever and applying every year? Like, was there a loss of steam? Yeah, there was, I mean, there were, there were years that I didn't apply. 
You know, I think I mm-hmm. first applied when I first moved to the area, mm-hmm. maybe in 2010 or 2011. So there were years that I just got too busy and I didn't have the time mm-hmm. or I just wanted to take a break from it or I, you know, I wasn't clear of a plan I wanted to do. You yeah, know? yep. But every year, because my work was changing, I had a new plan, you know, things I wanted to do. So The application has evolved quite a bit mm-hmm. since 2010 or 11 when I when I first applied. Yeah, that's quite a span. Yeah. And yeah, the, and then also the, the Q&A session they had on Zoom for questions about the application was really helpful to clarify, you know, kind of what they were looking for mm-hmm. and answer questions. What advice would you have for sort of other artists who are interested in pursuing this grant in the future? I would say definitely go to the Q&A yep. in, in March or whenever it is. That was, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know, I don't know what else. As, as I said before, it was, it's always surprising to me that just writing it or having to do go through the process, you know, is, is so beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did your mm-hmm. writing style or the way you spoke about your art, how did it evolve over those years? I remember, I think the first time I applied, I was doing big drawings, mm-hmm. big charcoal drawings, like, I don't know, 10 feet long and four feet high or something like wow. that. It's big. And I was you know, doing collage into it and they were narrative. And so in some ways, I mean, I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing in my work now, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> but I'm not so obvious to, to other people. Um, so yeah, it just, it just depended. I mean, I feel like my relationship to my work is always changing. And so I'm thinking about doing a writing up about it mm. in different ways, you know, and then, like, sometimes I look at the writing I did about my work previous year, and I was, I can't even, I can't even <laughs> catch a I thread saying? of what, well, yeah, what was I talking about? Okay. No way to, it's not accessible at all. So what are your sort of goals for yourself in maybe, like, the coming year? Like, what do you want to accomplish as an artist? So in my work, I want to continue this series of the heads. I'm, I'm going to be working with other people, not just my own reflection in the mirror. Cool. Um, but I want to see where, where this leads, you know, of working with the head. I mean, likeness is not important to me at all, mm. um, but it's, I mean, it, they're, they're very spontaneous and you know, very surprising to me, which I love. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that. I'm also going to continue doing landscapes. So one of the reasons I went back to doing heads, I I used to do, I was doing heads kind of in a similar vein in grad school a long time ago. So about two years ago, I started working with the heads again because I became overwhelmed in the landscape with trying to simplify. So I thought if I just like stuck to one form in space, then, you know, maybe I could bring whatever I learned from that to the landscape and kind of pare down Mm. the landscape. So I I still, I still am trying to see how they're feeding each other, both, both practices, you know? Yeah. And then as far as, you know, businessy career stuff, which I don't like at all, but (laughs) it does take so much time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having the time to, you know, I want to try to get new representation other than my Boston gallery. So I want to, and I want to, you know, have the time to, you know, do all that digital, digital images, getting the professional shots done and maintain my website, update my website, all that stuff that Mm -hmm. social media stuff is 
as you guys know. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> yep. I know. Such when a time suck. Like if someone walks into a gallery and sees a piece of work, they just think like, oh, huh. They must have spent, you know, five to a thousand hours on it, whatever it may be. Like, oh, okay. And then they don't have any concept probably of all of the like planning for it. The, you know, the practice it took for you to get there. Also the marketing of it and the applying yeah. to the gallery and, you know, taking the pictures, putting them on social media, putting them on the website, having doubts the whole time and whether you should you know it's a lot oftentimes a one-person team doing all that stuff so I think that grant is amazing for being able to give people the chance to work on their actual work while developing their business of being an artist right yeah yeah Yeah, there's so much there's this one phrase I always hear is it must be nice (laughs) must be nice being an artist (laughs) or painter I'm like yeah well it is but not the way you think no no I know I feel very lucky to have found a passion like making art but just because that's a wonderful thing doesn't make it easy right exactly yeah my thing is when people say I couldn't draw a stick figure our listeners have heard that a lot because I say it all the time Mm -hmm. but but people be like oh you're so talented and I don't like the word talent because it Sarah just drew a stick figure so you can do it (laughs) proof anyone can do it Well, I think there's two things there. One is that, oh, you're talented. So you got lucky enough to be good at something. So now you can just do it, which is very reductive because it takes away all of the hard work and practice and effort that I put, you know, 30 years into doing the thing that I love. And then it also kind of says, well, there's only one way to be good, quote unquote, at art. And it's to draw something better than a stick figure. Who says a stick figure can't be? Right. You know, I think the measure of what is art is, you know, narrow minded sometimes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Do you have do you find people say that like, wow, you're so talented? You know, do you, does that ever get to you or is it just sort of like <laughs> I am? No, what, what happens because I, <laughs> I do plein air so much and you you can't believe yeah. the amount of people that often I'm setting up. And so people are kind of walking by and some area Mm -hmm. and they are so excited like I can see their face so excited like (laughs) almost running towards me to like (laughs) check out what I'm doing and then they come around look at my canvas and it's as if I literally punched them in the face there (laughs) like they like step back and often they'll say like amateur huh oh my (laughs) gosh or just getting started huh (laughs) no neither Wow. Almost done. Wow. <laughs> wow. So. The, the thought that someone has the, without asking, yeah, give an offer of what they think of someone's work yes. in process. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. Wow. People Audacity. say things out loud a lot that they really should keep yes, to themselves. That is true. <laughs> well, I mean, there is, like you said, there's a misunderstanding of how, how much goes into mm-hmm. it or what it takes to do it. In teaching, I used to say, like people used to say, the kids used to say, because I taught into a drawing for so many years, like I can't draw a stick figure. And I was like, that's the best place to start because yeah. I am going to teach you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a skill to be learned, but the talent and whatever art is, is mm-hmm. something other that I think has to do with like some kind of desire and yeah. willingness to persevere. You know? yeah. yeah, it's just a different muscle. That you're flexing a bunch, you're practicing. You know, if someone wanted to bulk up and they just kept lifting weights, it's not a talent, it's a dedication. And it's a mindset that you're going into. It's it's a drive. And when I think of talent, I think of like savants, you know, three-year-olds that can play Chopin, you know, like that's (laughs) that's just miraculous talent to me, you know. But Yeah, it is a 
such an interesting mm-hmm. idea because yeah, like that that idea of savant. That's true. Mm-hmm. I know it's a great mystery. Yeah. Like how how does that work? Yeah. When you were teaching, did you? get a lot of inspiration from your students or did you find it hard to sort of paint for yourself when you were also working painting with students full-time? Yeah, both. It's both. And that's one of the reasons I left because for so long, my, my students were inspiring me. Whatever issues I was working with, I could find a way to kind of like compress it into a semi-manageable component and bring it into the classroom, you know, whatever level I was teaching. And that was such a gift to be able to work with them and see how they dealt with the problems I was dealing with in a more simplified way. But what I found was I got so sick of hearing my voice. (laughs) And the other thing was that I couldn't look at anything without breaking it down into language and an understandable kind of simplified component. Mm-hmm. And I really felt it was, because what I wanted to do into my work with my work was going away from that. And so just in the few months I've been not teaching at the university, just noticed having that freedom to let things be as mysterious or complicated as they are. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a real gift. What do you miss about teaching? Anything at all or nothing? Um, <laughs> Good riddance, kiddos. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like, it was. it's just the, the pace mm. and the amount I was teaching. I really love, I loved teaching, but yeah. I just... I definitely need a break from yeah. it. So right yeah. now I'm, I'm not missing it. And of course, I mean, you, you're engaging with the students and the students are so good and often so hungry. And But what often happens is you, um, it's it's hard to like restrain yourself from giving everything. You to know? be able to sustain your own yes, practice. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's got to be tricky. I'm sure it takes a toll on a lot of teachers. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about your sort of rituals, especially if you're in the studio, like when you're creating, where do you create? Are you listening to music? Are you sitting? Are you standing? What are some of your sort of like must-haves when you like sit down in front of a canvas? Yeah, I'm always standing. I'm not sure I know of why other than <laughs> I just feel better that way. I never listen to music until I think two months ago I started listening to music a little bit, but mm-hmm. then now I'm not. So <laughs> I'm always trying different things. But what happens when I'm painting is that even if I start listening to music, I don't hear it. After mm-hmm. 20 uh, minutes. Yep. And, you know, when I'm doing the heads in the past two months, when I have been trying to listen to music, I have have the earbud in and I'll be like, I got to get that earbuds because I want to look at the ear and I have oh, a yeah. handful of paint. <laughs> so <it's, laughs> get it out. And in the landscape, it's really interesting. Um, when I moved to the area 2010 for my teaching job, I started painting at this spot in Portsmouth in between Portsmouth and Newcastle on that causeway, looking out towards Goat Island. So it's an mm, inlet in the Piscataqua. Yeah. And there's a little, um, if you turn off the main drag there, there's a little place where you can put kayaks in or boats. So I was there my first two years. For two years, I was in like a probably a 10-foot diameter spot. And I was just painting there all the time. That ran its course. And then I went into the woods for two years, went to other places. But now I'm back to that spot again. And it's really interesting. Cool. And I have, I don't know why I'm there, but I'm, but I'm back. <laughs> You're drawn to that <laughs> <Yeah>. location. <laughs> I'm drawn in because I'm not teaching. I don't have to explain it to anybody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have to, I don't have to have an opinion on anything anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you think you'll ever go back to teaching? I think so. I don't know what it is. I've scheduled two workshops for this upcoming year, one in, in Massachusetts and one in Oregon. So, okay. and there, those are just the three-day workshops that I committed to a while ago. That's, cool. That's nice though. That's kind of like a little sprint instead of doing a marathon of a yeah. school yeah. year, you know, you could just feed off the student's energy for a weekend yeah. and then adios. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. It is really different. <laughs> what challenges do you face as an artist at this point in your career? And I guess at any point in your career, have you faced imposter syndrome? Imposter, imposter syndrome. That is like a staple of being Every alive. Every day? <laughs> For everybody, I think. <laughs> I can't wait till the day that, that we ask someone answer. on the podcast and they're like, nope. No, I'm very secure. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone says yes, but I guess we like to ask because I think for listeners, for everyone, it's just uniting to know that we all don't know what we're doing yeah. and we yeah. don't feel like we fit the mold that we're supposed to fit. Yeah. How do you combat imposter syndrome? Because you're still making it. You still have the guts to put your work out there. You know, you're not letting that small voice win. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's, that is one of the challenges. The big challenge is a great question. I do think everybody goes through it, not just artists, mm -hmm. but the thing about that's different for artists, I think, especially now that I'm not teaching at like a university, which has inherent in that job is kind of prestige and the idea you're okay because you have a, like a job that mm -hmm. with some kind of authority take that away and you know i think i'm always there's an overlay there's like supreme confidence but overlaid with complete panic and insecurity yep. so it's just like <laughs> both all the time that's beautiful <laughs> kind of maddening <laughs> but i do think it's like that's very common for everybody mm -hmm. the more you know more I talk to people about that. Yeah. So now it's time for rapid fire, which I think you caught a little bit of with when we were interviewing the last guest when you came in. We oh, were asking, I didn't realize that was oh. rapid fire. <laughs> well, I don't know if we did a good job because we did talk a lot, but yeah, we did. it's supposed to be quick <laughs> questions with quick answers. So rapid fire question number one, what other artist has influenced you the most? Rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, they get easier. That's like the hardest one. Oh my God. <laughs> I pass. <laughs> you would think that would be an easy one. But. Oh man. Bouillard. See? Is that, you, you answered quickly. Right? If you edit great. that, it's going to be rapid, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the rest will probably be in bloopers because that was kind of funny. Are there any mediums that you are not currently working with, but you'd be interested in, in exploring or are sort of on your radar? Yeah, I want to do more with acrylic. Okay. Yeah, I, I am working with acrylic now, but I, I think there's there's more I, I, I can do with it. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and now, I mean, have the grant this year, I can you know, mm -hmm. do it. You can experiment. Um, yeah. Yeah. And actually, the workshop and teaching in Oregon is they asked me if I could not do it in oil and do it in acrylic. And I was like, yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, so I have to kind of learn it before. Yep. Yeah. Experiment and yeah. play, all yeah. that. On the flip side of that, are there any mediums that you're like, nope, I would never touch that, or I have done it before and I didn't like it? Mm, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I always go back to oil. That's my favorite. Yeah. But everything has the potential to create enough limitations so you're working differently or thinking about things differently. So yeah. I like using different things, but oil is my favorite. Next question. Yeah. What's your favorite animal? Is it a fox? Oh, I was just thinking about it. T today it's a skunk. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't know if I was Fox. I don't know. Fox today is probably second or third. Yeah. But. Because your last name is Fox. Do you get a lot of Fox things from people? No, but my mom does. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah my, I have an uncle. I have an uncle that collects Fox things. Oh, okay. Yep. But I don't. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, so Pepe Le Pew, that's your favorite. To, yeah. For some reason today, I was, I, I don't know, just thinking about skunks today. They're I very that. cute. I think they're <laughs> adorable. <laughs> As long as they don't stink me up, I like them. Yep. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because I was thinking about them. I, I looked it up about like the symbolic meaning and it said skunk. I was like, what a skunk? I don't want to have skunk as a symbol. And skunks are interesting because sometimes you have to go on the offensive to oh. uh, navigate the world. So huh. when you're leaning back on your heels too much, sometimes go on the offensive. That. that is really cool. What is your favorite color? Cadmium orange. I was wondering yes. that. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> What's your favorite scent? I would say rose, maybe. I mean, that it varies, but today it's rose. What's your favorite sound? Oh my God. I, was, I have never been asked that question. My favorite <laughs> sound. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I would have to say like um, a guttural hum. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> That's kind of a Yoda hum, but <laughs> that was Yoda's guttural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite texture to touch? Jeez, I'm not good at these rapid fires. <laughs> this is like, I mean, I've definitely done some time in, on the therapy couch, and you know, you're getting evil eye from the therapist you took too long because you're like hiding things. Oh my so. gosh. <laughs> when you said so. I've done some time, I thought you've been prison. Me too. But... <laughs> I was like, ooh, where is this going? <laughs> His favorite texture has something to do with prison. <laughs> favorite texture, smooth? I don't know. <laughs> Love it. That's a good one. Know, what? <laughs> uh, what is the most inspiring location you've traveled to? Inspiring location. I mean, I've traveled in a significant amount. I've done residencies in, you know, all over the world. But I'd have to say Wellfleet on Cape Cod, the uh, the dunes down there looking on, onto the Atlantic. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, I grew, I grew up down there and, you know, I had this idea it was going to be even more beautiful other places. But I've never been to a place more beautiful than that. Yeah. Dunes are really cool. Yeah. It's a great answer. What's the last new thing you've learned? The thing that's coming to mind right now is that I've just read somewhere about aggression and how, you know, especially now being a male, being aggressive and and having aggression is like, is very tricky. But I just read something about, you know, the creative, the creative act is aggressive in itself. Mm, And so that idea that, you know, painting or creating, I always knew that it was, for me, it was, it always has aggression in it. And I know it's not a negative thing, but I always tiptoe around it. But just reading that, it just like validated something and for me. Wow, so that that's fascinating. That's really interesting. What also they said about that was that that idea of birth, you know, is such an aggressive, creative force. Yes. So last question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say there's no need to prove anything to anybody. Really good advice. Mm-hmm. Like it. Short and <laughs> sweet. That's <laughs> yeah, good. It's good. You're adhering to the rules. I, I, so. I'm trying. <laughs> I have more to say. But. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's really been fun.
Yeah, it's been a pleasure yeah. getting to know you, yeah. and it's so cool to hear about your journey. For me too. Thank you very much. Yeah, and congrats again on the grant. We'll be uh, sort of eagerly watching what you do next. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Rick, for being on the show. And with that, show, show us, us your, your creative, creative guts. guts. Another big thank you to Rick Fox for joining us on Creative Guts. Rick, it was so enjoyable to chat about why you choose your subject matter, the technical side to the mediums that you use, and about the public's perception of what a life like an artist must be. I think it's important to shed light into the tougher parts of the passion or job of artist. And it's nice to know that even a grant winner faces the same struggles we all do. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most about talking with artists who've been practicing for many years, like Rick has, is hearing about how they've evolved and grown as artists. From an outside perspective, it seems like Rick's art has changed significantly over time. And for Rick, he talked about how his relationship to his work is always changing. I really like hearing about the evolution and I'm looking forward to seeing what Rick does next. You can check out Rick's art, rickfoxpaintings.com. Find him on Instagram. His handle is rickfoxpaintings. As always, you can find those links and more in the episode description and on our website, creativegutspodcast.com. You will find us on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Guts Podcast. This episode is supported in part by the Rochester Museum of Fine Arts. Thank you to our friends in Rochester for their support of the show. A big thank you to Art Up Front Street for providing a space where Creative Guts can record. If you love listening and want to support the show too, you can make a donation to Creative Guts. Leave us a review wherever reviewing is applicable. Interact with our content on social media. Whatever you're able to do, we appreciate you. And thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. When you're editing, you're going to be like, wow. Wow. There's a whole minute I didn't need to edit. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. Hello. All right, Governor, you ready? Governor, I, I always thought, oh, <laughs> blooper. I always.